All Nations Sunday is that we honestly believe that there are no walls. We believe that we, the church, the people of God, are the ones that are tearing down walls and saying that this is for every kindred, for every tongue, for every nation, and every people. And so if you are here today, I hope you recognize that you're already among family. We are all the family of God. Amen. In Acts, the second chapter, after the preaching of Peter, he gives them the plan of salvation. And after he does, in Acts 2.38, he goes on to say about salvation, for the promise is unto you and to your children, and to all that are afar off, even as many even as many. That includes me. That includes you. He said, as many as the Lord our God shall call. He has called you today. And you have to make the choice. So allow me for a little while to preach on this subject ethnocentric. Everybody say ethnocentric. Amen. Lord, we love you. We thank you for demonstration of your spirit. I'm asking you, God, to come into this place and bring revelation to every heart and every mind that we will receive you and that we will affirm it through your word and not just take the opinion of a preacher, but we'll have it in our heart and we'll prove it according to your word. In your precious name, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Some of you are probably asking, what does that word mean? It really started being used um, back in the 40s when we went to war with different, uh, different wars that we had during the 40s. It, it brought us to an understanding that there's conflict all around the world. And this word ethnocentric was being used because it's evaluating other people and cultures according to the standards of one's own culture. So as we were fighting these wars, we realized that we were culturally different. Ethnocentrism is a major factor in the division among members of different ethnicities, races, and religion groups. It's the belief that one's ethnic group is superior to another. Ethnocentric individuals believe they're better than other individuals for reasons based solely on their heritage. And so they look at everybody else as being less than them. But I want to propose to you today that is a lie. That there is not anybody better than you. And there's not anybody better than me. In fact, he says 
that he is a God of all kindred. And in our passage, he says, as many as the Lord our God shall call. It doesn't say what church you belong to. It doesn't say what organization you belong to. It doesn't say because of a, per, a particular ethnic group you belong to. It says, as many as the Lord our God shall call, shall become the family of God. Amen. So in Acts 10, the ninth verse, it says this, On the morrow, as they went on their journey and drew nigh unto a city, Peter, Peter went up upon the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. And he became very hungry and would have eaten, but while they made ready to eat, he fell in a trance and began to have a vision. The 11th verse, he says, And I saw heaven open, and a certain vessel descending unto him, as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to the earth, wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth, and wild beasts, and creeping things, and fowls of the air. Then came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. It's interesting because Peter was good up to this point because it required nothing from him. He was asked to kill and eat, but now God was requiring something from Peter that would change his ethnocentric view. I'm all right as, God, as long as God doesn't come in and require anything of me. But let me just stop and tell you, there's going to have to be some walls come down if you're ever going to get to the Lord because there shouldn't be anything between us to divide us in any matter and any fashion or any form that must come down. God was telling him to do something that was against his social and cultural comfort. Peter may have even thought, you're asking me to change my position on this subject at the risk of losing my social circles. And so Peter then says this in the 14th verse. He said, no, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. He was trying to correct God because of his prejudiced view of food. <laughs> his culture was saying, we don't eat that kind of food. That is beneath us. And then in the 15th verse it said, And the voice spake unto him again the second time, What God hath cleaned or cleansed, that call not thou common. What he is simply saying is, when God speaks, Peter, you need to shut your mouth and just do it. Not what the church is saying, not what political views might be, not being politically correct. But if God is speaking, every ear in the nation and every ear in the world needs to open up and hear the voice of God. And God is saying to him, kill and eat. What does it mean by that? He said, this is not about the food, it's about people. This is about people. And then later, simply, Peter says this in the 34th verse of the 10th chapter. He said, he opened his mouth and said, 
of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. He says, of truth I perceive. It was not in my culture or even in my nature to accept others. And he was saying, I don't accept others that are not like me. But really, Peter, you're somewhat of a snob. I'll put it this way. Peter, you're really an idiot because you think you're better than everybody else. He concludes that God is no respecter of person. And if I preach his message, Peterson, how can I be ethnocentric or create division between ethnic groups? He's saying if God wants me to preach his message, then I must become more like Christ. And he said, I've come to seek and to save the lost. I didn't come for color. I didn't come for the lack of color. I didn't come for a creed, and I didn't come from a people. He said, even though the Jews were my special people, I left them because they didn't want me. In fact, some approached Jesus and said, Are we not your people? For we are of Abraham's seed. And he said, No, you're not my people because you don't obey the word of God. He said, You want to be family? Obey the word. You want to become one? Don't become one because you think you are privileged because you're ethnocentric. You need to become one because you are biblically in line with God's plan and purpose. Amen. How can I be ethnocentric when I preach his word of unity? In fact, Jesus was preparing his apostles for his ascension. And he was preparing them for the coming of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says this, and I'm going to get ready to preach to someone today. He says in Acts 1.8, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, and in Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. He says, I want you to be a witness in your community. I want you to be a witness in your state. I want you to be a witness, or in your city and in your state. I want you to be a witness in your country, and I want you to be a witness in the uttermost parts of the earth. He is saying, I want you to be a witness of the Holy Ghost. And that's why he is saying to Peter, what God hath cleansed, call thou not unclean. That everybody has an opportunity to be saved. Everybody has a right. Oh, i got to preach on this a while. Amen. The chair you're sitting on doesn't belong to you. Some people think they own a chair. And then when a visitor comes in, what are they doing in my chair? You need to get past that attitude because your chair belongs to every visitor that walks in that door. We are to host the world so that they have a place they can go and they can recognize that we haven't created our own little clique and our own little culture religiously and say nobody else belongs. No, everybody belongs. I'm going to tell you the harlot to the drug addict. It doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter what background you have. Amen. If we are, if we are the people of God, it's time for us to stand up and start becoming the people that are in the likeness of Christ. Somebody shout hallelujah. Amen. The world needs to know there's a people of God that are called by his name that love them and that will care for them and that won't just beat 
them up every time they don't do what we think they should do because when we do that we become ethnocentric in our religion and we try to make people feel that they're inferior to us no they're not it's only by the grace of God that you're saved amen you didn't earn it you didn't have the credibility you don't have the personality you don't have the character to win your own salvation it's Jesus Christ that brought it to you I'm breaking down barriers. I'm breaking down religious ethnocentric attitudes. I'm breaking down walls that say we are divided. No, we're not. The devil is a liar and he's a father of liars. Amen. We are a people that are called by his name. And under the name, under the name, under the name, under the name of Jesus Christ, we become one family. Someone shout hallelujah. Amen. Peter, you're going to preach on the day of Pentecost and you still don't understand this? If you're going to preach, you got to preach to the world, not just to your own people. Amen. He says, of truth I perceive that God is no respecter persons. Peter, your job is to preach that the power of the Holy Ghost will wash away bigotry. You're to preach that's going to wash away hate, racism, discrimination. You need to preach that the Holy Ghost will wash away a judgmental attitude based on skin color. Somebody help this preacher. Amen. It'll wash away the crimes that we commit on each other. The abuse that we impose on one another. It'll wash away social unrest. It'll wash away an ethnocentric spirit. Let me just say this. It will ultimately wash away division. And that, as a church, we should all want. We want the world to be united. But first, we need to get the church united. Because some won't walk across the room to shake someone's hand. But say, they want people saved. I got to get Peter fixed. Because he says, I can't eat that. That is below me. And God said, no, you better, because what thou hast cleanseth, call thou not unclean. God was saying to Peter, Peter, that is unacceptable. We need a healing. And that healing is going to come because people receive the Spirit of God. I really believe that the Spirit can do a whole lot more than what we can do. And I know we try hard to compete with the Spirit sometimes. Sometimes you just have to trust the Lord. Just trust the Lord. What does the Bible say? That the Spirit will lead and guide us and take us to the places we need to go. But when we become ethnocentric, 
We're trying to impose on people our relationship with God. And if we're not careful, they will think they're saved based on our relationship with God rather than their own relationship with God. So if I get somebody to just do what I want them to do, I'm trying to get him to conform to what I want him to be. Then his walk with God is based on what I tell him to do. But if it ever gets to the place where I can remove Rob, and not think that he's got to fit into my clan and fit into my group and make him feel like as long as he's not willing to conform, hey, buddy, you're not on the inner circle. Somewhere I got to get to the place where I say, listen, we're all in his circle, not my circle. So if you want this, if you want this, let me tell you about this man called Jesus. And when you get to know him, you'll understand why every race and every people can come together raising their hands, worshiping God with one another and say, there's not one here that is privileged over the other. But he says, I, God speaking, am no respecter of persons. Amen. I don't know if I can pull it off. Here, give me your shoes. Hang on. I don't know that I can pull it off. But I will tell you that this man is awesome. He was getting nervous for a minute. Why I'm saying this is there will never be a better you. I talked about this recently. Why do we want to try to be like someone else? Uh, I am. I'm dealing with the devil right now. I mean, he knows and he understands. If I ever get some of you to believe what I'm preaching right now in my cool hat, then you will know that if you'll break down the walls and quit acting like you're so pious and acting like you're so righteous and acting like you're so holy and acting like that you are the only one, if I could just break it down, if I could... If I could just, here, you better take you better take this. You be, it was the hat. That was not me. All you on social media and live stream right now, that was not pastor. That was all the hat's fault. I think that was a Michael Jackson move or something. I don't know. We need a healing. I said, we need a healing. But let me tell you how that's going to come. We need to repent. And not just for this church and the people in this church and for every visitor in this church. We need a healing in our nation and even around our world. This is not an American truth. This is a God truth. Hallelujah. This is a God truth. This is a God truth. Amen. We have 
Pentecostals of Phoenix is the name of our church. We have a big sign out front. And someone asked me, why is it that you believe you're the only church since you call yourself Pentecostal? I think that's a good question. Don't you? But their assessment is wrong. We don't think we're the only church as far as our local assembly. But we do believe that we're the only church according to the Pentecostal experience. See, because you can put Pentecostal on your door, but that doesn't mean you're having the Pentecostal experience. I've heard people say, I'm Pentecostal. I say, okay, if you're Pentecostal, then uh, what, what is it you believe? How are you to be saved? They said, well, salvation is a mystery. I'm like, I don't recall it ever being a mystery. If you say you're Pentecostal, I'm puzzled. Because the mystery doesn't belong to the believer. It belongs to the non-believer. So if you're saying you're Pentecostal, you might be Pentecostal by label, but you're not Pentecostal by relationship. So you got it on your door, but you don't have it in your heart. And if anybody knows anything about the Word of God, they will know that right after the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Maria, we talked about this, right after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, there was only one church. And that church was on the day of Pentecost 50 days later, which was the Pentecostal experience. It wasn't a label. It wasn't a sign to put on your door. It was simply that there was one experience and the Pentecostal experience that comes out of the death, burial, and resurrection is found in Acts 1 and Acts 2. So when you tell me you're Pentecostal, then you must be saying that you have the experience if you want to authentically be a Pentecostal. I'm going I'm to squash some things here. Someone asked me, do you all handle snakes? And I'm sorry for my vernacular right here, but I just said, that's the dumbest thing, the stupidest thing anybody could do. I don't like the way that Pentecostal has a bad rap because of others' view of what Pentecostal is. If you want to know what Pentecost is, go to the experience. Quit asking people. Quit YouTubing it. Quit going on Google and trying to find it out. If you want to know, go to a church that believes in the experience rather than just in the title. And they take that, but... They take that as handling snakes from the scripture says, and if you pick up any deadly thing, it shall not hurt you. And talks about the serpent. If you take up any deadly thing, it will not hurt you. Let me just tell you what that's talking about. How's that scripture go? Somebody help me real quick. Um, These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. In my name they shall speak with new tongues. And in my name they shall... 
pick up serpents and uh, help me here. And if you take or drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt you. I just got a mind blank right there because I'm completely off my notes right now. I'm just winging it. I'm just hoping the devil throws me a, a, a fastball 95 mile an hour right over the plate because I'm going to put him out of the park. <laughs> That's all I'm doing. And, and that scripture is simply referring to the fact that there's going to be some things the devil would try to harm you with. But there's nothing he can do to harm the children of God. And he might try to poison the church. He might try to destroy the church. He can try to poison it with doctrine. He can try to poison it with gossip. He can try to poison it with someone else talking in your ear and you listen to someone rather than the experience. And he said, no, 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 no. Let's get back to the experience. I'm talking about if we really want to have a move of God and a great revival in the time we must let all the walls be broken down and come in line with the experience of Christ and when we do that it won't be about religion it'll be about having an experience that Jesus Christ has given to you personally amen amen in conclusion today plan of Jesus is this. In 2 Chronicles, the 7th chapter and 14th verse, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. God's plan is to heal the land, to unite us, to bring us together, to break down walls, to have the people that I said is called by his name that will change the political correctness into biblical correctness. I'm not going to leave you hanging here, but let me just talk for a few moments on the Pentecostal experience. The Pentecostal experience is, number one, you must repent. It's pretty simple. You must repent of your sin. Repentance is not preached like it used to be in some of our churches, right? I remember the days when just about every service was get down on your knees and repent. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I think we need to come back and visit this more often probably than what we do. Because the Bible even says that we're to repent daily or to die out daily. Why? Why? Because what we're doing is we're saying, I'm repenting and I'm taking my sins and crucifying them. Someone asked me, Pastor, you preach on this a lot. You know why? Because we have a lot of visitors. Quit being ethnocentric. But Pastor, I mean, we hear this all the time. We hear this all the time. You ought to be raising your hand and rejoicing that we're being able to speak this into the heart and the lives of people that don't know how to have an experience with Christ. So you have to repent. Everybody say repent. Repent. Repentance is simply dying out to your past. The word repentance actually means an about face. 
So if this is the way you're going on a road and you've encountered all kinds of things that are wrong in your life and discouragement and, and anxiety and the sins that are on that road, when you repent, you say, okay, I'm going to stop going down this road any longer. And it's an about face sin. I'm going to turn away from those things and no longer allow those things to live in my life. It's an about face. And when you turn away from that, the next thing he says, you must be baptized or buried with Christ. You're dying with Christ. Now you're going to be buried with Christ. And he says, now you need to be baptized. And that's why we baptize not by sprinkling, but by burying people under the water. But ultimately, after you have repented and you have been baptized, that's when you need to seek after the power of the Holy Ghost because the Holy Ghost is what's going to unite you because you will never be able to get past your culture. You'll never get past that ethnocentric spirit in our world today because you'll always look for people to give you answers. But when you come in contact with Jesus Christ, you will never look for others to qualify your experience with God. Oh, you might take counsel with them, but you'll get to the place where you realize that I am standing on my own two feet and I am going to go through this storm and I'm going to be like David. As a king, he would say that when I walk through this valley, I shall fear no evil. He was walking through the valley of the shadow of death, but he still said, I will trust as we stand. This is for everybody. I'm preaching to the church.